0: Good morning. Today is Wednesday, January 20th, 2021. There are many subjects to study in Torah. Some of the subjects are more practically relevant than others. Studying the mitzvos, (coughs) excuse me, studying the that we fulfill. The laws of Shabbos, the laws of keeping kosher in our parsha, the laws of pesach how to observe pesach how to be a good good person what personality qualities to have how to um, have positive relationships there are other subjects in the torah that practically are not applicable to us for example if we live outside of israel those mitzvahs that are dependent on being inside of israel Right now, they're not practically applicable to us. Perhaps one day in the future, they will be. As long as the Besamigdash is not standing and in operation, all of the laws that apply to the Besamigdash and the sacrifices and ritual purity do not practically apply to us. The Mishnah, which is the great collection of rabbinic writing, is divided into six sections. Three of them are practically relevant today. Three of them are practically not applicable to us today. So I'm not talking about amounts per se, but just in terms of structure, half of the Mishnah is subjects that are not practically relevant. So it's understandable that people often, usually concentrate on the areas that are practically relevant. But I want to share with you the three important reasons to study those areas of Torah that are not practically applicable. Number one, as our rabbis in the Talmud say often, Shemi Yibonabe Samigdash. One day the temple will be rebuilt, hopefully, very soon, speedily in our days. Now, on that day, we're gonna need some kahanim, we're gonna need some levium, we're gonna need some some uh, officiating and some ceremonies. We gotta know what to do. There's gonna be a moment we have to step in and know what to do. So we need to study this material so that on the day that it is applicable, we're up to speed. It's an amazing insight by the Chazonish, Rabbi Karelitz who was the great Halakhic authority, one of the great Halakhic authorities in the early days of the state of Israel, in late 40s and 50s. And of course, he was born and trained as a rabbi in Europe. And then at a certain time, he moved to Israel. And he became the one of the world's authorities on, for example, The agricultural laws for example the laws of Shemitah the sabbatical year by the way this Rosh Hashanah begins another Shemitah year another sabbatical year we'll talk about that but in order to apply those laws in Israel even today an extensive knowledge of agriculture is necessary you have to know about different plants and different trees and how they work and how to take care of them I mean you should be able to imagine a yeshiva bachar in Lithuania is probably doesn't, probably does not have so much to do with, you know, what's considered proper weeding and fertilizing. And, you know, it's, it's so, but the subjects are in the Talmud and he studied them. And he is one example. When he came to Israel, he was very quickly called upon to be able to put it to actual practical application. And he said, he once wrote he said, when I was learning in yeshiva in Europe, never in my wildest dreams did I imagine I would actually have to apply this stuff in real life. I was learning it. Okay, so the, so the Chazani is learning it is not like me learning it. He learned it to the extent that he could actually put it into practice. But that is going to happen. That does happen. So that's number one. Number two, even those areas of Torah that are not practically applicable to me, they reflect God's will. The the Torah is not only our uh, collection of mitzvahs and instructions that are relevant to us. The Torah is God's communication with mankind. So the, the, the clearest way, the most direct way we have to understanding God, who is after all unknowable in God's essence, the clearest way we have to understand is by looking at what he has given to us, by looking at the Torah, by studying the Torah. And so therefore, even if I'm studying something that is not practically applicable to me, practically relevant to me, but it, it is something that reflects what God wants, what God told me. And so therefore, as part of knowing God, it is extremely important. The third reason is because in fact all Torah is interrelated all Torah is given by one author by God and there is a conceptual consistency from one subject to another of all subjects our rabbis in the Talmud express it as follows divrei Torah aniyim b'makam echad v'ashirim b'makam The words of Torah, any specific subject, are impoverished when we look at them in just one location, but they become enriched when we consider that subject in light of all the other subjects. In fact, our rabbis uh, riff on the term Talmud Bavli. So we understand Talmud Bavli means the Talmud of the Gemara, Bavli from Bavel, because the Talmud Bavli, which is the main Talmud that we study, is mostly the deliberations of the scholars living in Bavel. Bavli means coming from Bavel. Our rabbis metaphorically understand Bavli from the word bilbil, which means mixed together, like migdal Bavel, something that is mixed together because the subjects in the Talmud are not distinct from each other. Within the tractate on Shabbos, there are laws of kosher, there are laws of sacrifices, there are laws of ritual purity, etc. 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 Everything is mixed together because you can only understand one subject if you also understand every other subject. Now, (laughs) that's quite demanding because what that means is you can never fully understand any single subject until you have learned the entire torah which it's you know that takes some work so to start uh the first page of the first tractate of talmud assumes you've already been through the whole thing once and you know basically what it's talking about now let's talk about what time do we say Shema in the evening that's the beginning of brachos, the first tractate. but it's also rewarding because every subject that we study sheds light on every other subject and every topic that we study even if it is not something that is practically relevant to us, contains lessons and concepts that are practically relevant in other areas. Everything is interrelated. So let me share with you an example, a famous example from our Parsha. In Jewish law, like in civil law, there is a concept known as agency. I can appoint an agent to act on my behalf it's like in civil law power of attorney so i appoint a person and their action is my action their signature is my signature their word is my word it's called agency or we refer to it in our society as having power of attorney in the talmud's phrase the talmud Phrases it, Shlucho the agent of a person is like that person. I appoint an agent to go enter into contract uh, on my behalf. That person is acting on my behalf. So that person's signature is my signature, etc. And that applies in many areas of law. What is the source of that concept in Jewish law? You may find it surprising. It's in our Parsha. So the Torah tells us that when the Jewish people were about to leave Egypt on the afternoon before the Exodus, God had commanded them a couple of days before they were to take an animal that was going to be the Karbon Pesach, the Paschal offering, and they were to Shech that animal to slaughter the animal and they roasted it over an open fire. And that was the meal that they ate as the Seder. And remember, and this is just so fascinating. The first Seder occurred the night before they left Egypt. It occurred while they were still slaves. Just think about that for a moment. That first Seder, they are eating the meal of freedom while they are still slaves. Okay. Then in our Parsha, the Torah gives us the rules of the Karbon Pesach every year. Once the Mishkan is built, and then finally the Beis Emigdash, the Holy Temple of Jerusalem. Every year, on the afternoon before Pesach, the Karbon Pesach, the animals would be slaughtered in the courtyard of the Beis Emigdash, and each group would take the animal home. They would roast it over an open fire, and that would be the centerpiece of the meal for the Seder, for the Pesach Seder. The Torah also tells us that it was required for the Seder, people would gather into groups because you have uh, an animal, let's say a a sheep, a a lamb, let's say, and uh, it it feeds a lot of people. So you gather a group, maybe there'd be 20 people, 30 people, maybe there would be 40 people in a group and the group would be together and they would share this meat for the meal and that was part of the Seder. The Torah says, in our parasha, The entire Jewish people would slaughter this animal in the afternoon before Pesach, the 14th of Nisan in the afternoon. They would slaughter the animal. They would bring it home. They would roast it. That night they would have it as part of the Seder. The Talmud teaches us that in fact, what happened is every group would select one agent, one shliach, because it would be impossible for every single Jewish person to come to the base of Migdash. As it was, they had to do it in three shifts. It would have been impossible for everybody to come. There would be no room. It would be no capacity for such a thing. And it had to be done, the, the shrita the slaughtering had to be done in the courtyard of the, of the base of Mingdash. So every group of whatever it was, 20, 30, 40, would appoint one shliach. And that one shliach would go on behalf of the entire group with the animal and he would oversee the shechting of the animal and he would bring it back and everyone would share it that night. But even though it's only one person acting as an agent on behalf of the group, the words of the Torah are, Shachatu oso kol kahal adas Yisrael. Every single individual was required to do this. What you see from the Torah, says the Gemara, that when we appoint an agent, and an agent acts on my behalf, it is accredited as if every single individual did that Action. Mikan, from here the Talmud says, Shlucho Shalotim Kamoso, that an agent is like the actions of every single one that sent him or her. And that applies in every area of life, in ritual areas, in legal areas, and this is the source. So you have a subject which carbon Pesach, we do not have a carbon Pesach today. It's not practically applicable to us. And yet, studying the laws of carbon Pesach reveal to us a a legal concept that every single one of us uses in our daily lives in business in other areas Um, for example when we arrange to sell chametz before Pesach so uh, we go to the rabbi in our community we go to Rabbi Alex what are we going to Rabbi Alex for keep in mind I've said this before you're not selling your chametz to Rabbi Alex Rabbi Alex does not want your chametz He's trying to get rid of chametz before Pesach, just like you want to get rid of chametz before Pesach. You are appointing him as your agent, your shliach. He will represent you when we sell the chametz to the non-Jewish person. He is your agent. He is acting on your behalf. And the reason that's important is because it is not practical for every individual to sell it to a non-Jew for Pesach, because the way that we do the sale is quite complicated extremely complicated so all of us are better off leaving it to an expert and therefore we appoint an agent to do it for us that's one example another example um, much less pleasant uh, subject to discuss Uh, a person can appoint an agent to deliver or receive a get a bill of divorce if a couple is divorcing the, uh, the this piece of paper that is called the get this document must be delivered from the hand of the man to the hand of the woman. Either one of them could appoint an agent to act on their behalf. Let's say the two are in different locations and can't come into one place. Or let's say uh, just for uh relationship reasons it's not feasible for the two of them to be in one room at the same time so either of them could appoint an agent and the hand of the agent is like the hand of the one that appointed the agent however even though that is certainly true that is the law and it comes from this posic whenever possible it is preferable to do an action yourself. Our, our rabbis in the Talmud say, mitzvah bo yoser mi It's still a better mitzvah to do it yourself. For example, it is also possible to get married through an agent. So the act of marriage requires the man giving an object of value such as a ring to the woman, either one appoint an agent to act on their behalf the man could appoint an agent to give the ring the woman could appoint an agent to receive the ring and the hand of the agent would be like the hand of the one that appointed them but i do not suggest under normal circumstances appointing an agent for that purpose that's just it's just it's better to do it yourself that's an example where it's better to do it yourself but what you do see from this whole subject is that the Torah forms a single, integrated, unified system reflecting the will of a single, integrated, unified God. And that's why it's so important that from our Parsha. From a subject that is not practically applicable, we can derive lessons that are applicable in our daily lives. And this is one of hundreds, perhaps thousands of examples. My friends, I wish you all a great day and I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.